0: So, Berto, have you heard of the new blackface scandal that's in the news and whatnot, people dressing up as Michael Jackson or a slave or something and painting their face black with shoe polish and then getting fired from political office or being ostracized from society? Have you heard of this thing?
1: I have uh, recently. I mean, I know it's not a new phenomenon, but it's certainly been in the news lately. Lots of people getting busted for this
0: from their past, it sounds like. So today I thought we would answer the question, is blackface racist or why is it racist? Right. And in our typical fashion, in long form, boring discussion, we'll go back and (laughs) forth and talk about all the ins and outs, the historical background. You know exceptions to the rule, right. What we think about it, maybe maybe we've even participated in such a thing. But we also got blackface, we got brownface, which is for right. Latino Latinx people. You got yellowface right. for Asians and, and uh, greenface and so on for yeah. Martians, if you will. That's right. And so I thought we would just go full hog deep dive into blackface. What do you say? Is Avatar blueface? Oh yeah. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Casagna, and uh, you've heard
1: of dog whisperers? Yeah. So I'm a hamster whisperer. Ah. Yeah, I've been doing that for a few years.
0: Okay, so caveat here is this is not my specialty, and all everything I'm about to say is completely based on my own opinion, my own awareness of this sort of thing. I'm not a scholar on the history of blackface or on African-American um, issues, shall we say. Uh, but, um, you know, as a person who has been looking, you know, reading a lot of research and lecturing on racism in our society and how it pertains to the psychotherapeutic realm and societal realm, I, you know, I, I've given this a lot of thought over the years. So, But yeah. if you actually heard from a historian particularly, uh, they would have a much more nuanced, more detailed, more accurate point of view. Uh, and if you are an expert, as we talk about this, I'm guessing some of this is going to be a little off for you. So I just want to admit that from the beginning.
1: And I'll say um, from from my side, I actually didn't know about this phenomenon until sort of recently. I don't remember how long ago it was, but growing up in Colombia, I never was aware of this explicitly, of course, I saw all the movies and TV shows and things where this would have been exhibited. But in my mind, it wasn't like, Oh, that's a thing,
0: you know, right. So let's start from the beginning, because I think it actually needs to be discussed from the beginning. And not the beginning beginning, but the beginning of what I would consider to be the genesis of this whole discussion, which can you guess where I'm going to start here?
1: Wasn't it like the the minstrel shows with the—
0: I'm going to go back further than that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the colonialism of Euro- European powers to the United States, because I think okay. that's re- the, ec- the economics of it is where it really begins. Okay. So in the 1600s, you have imperialist European powers, the Dutch, the right. English or the British, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the Italians, um, other people like that and they're starting to uh, they they're seafaring they right. you know that they, they have uh, a means and weapons and what not to be able to overpower locals around the world including Africa and the Americas right right and yeah by that
1: time spain has been in in the new world for like 150 years or something yeah
0: <laughs> and the caribbean particularly yeah. right so we go back to that tower. Yeah, I guess we go back to 1400s, yeah. I suppose. But but to the colonial America, which is where it's more specifically pertained to, we go back to the 1600s. And so at the time, I mean, what when these powers sent materials and paid mm-hmm. for expeditions, why do you think they did this back then? Like
1: when they actually sent stuff to the New World kind yeah, of thing? right. Yeah, I, I mean— Land is precious, especially for <laughs> – if you think of a country like England, right? And a new land has new resources, a lot of promise of gold and precious minerals and tons of land to cultivate, things like that. Uh, and of course that means power. And so they they would probably want to cement their power base in these new lands. So sending new, more people and more resources to build up and establish a firm base with plenty of weapons to secure it and all that stuff would be pretty
0: important, yeah, I think that gets to part of it, but the main is to make money, so right. it, it's an investment, yep there are people back then who had money, and they would send expeditions to virginia maryland these you know these places, right. and they would uh, invest money in tobacco farming because then they would. Uh, have they'd pay for the whole thing they'd pay for the people they'd pay for the ships they'd pay for the material and then the tobacco would come back and then they would sell the tobacco and make tons of money actually that that's a really good point because in my mind the model of making money
1: well it is different it's a different model between Spain and Portugal and say the US because in in Spain and Portugal a lot of it was just go mine every resource
0: and bring it back like just go take all the gold and bring it back right Whereas and the, some of it was misguided in that there wasn't an El Dorado, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But there was definitely plenty of gold and silver. Yeah. But in, in the U.S., it was sort of a mixture
1: of uh, – it was a little bit more about like, well, go establish a, a plantation, grow these crops, ship them over. But but it was a, it, sort of a little more renewable in a way.
0: Right. And more of a business model rather than a flat-out uh, like conquer Military rape. expedition yeah, yeah Conquer Rape The land And the people And, and maybe We'll never go back Kind right. of thing Whereas the the Colonies in the United States Were established As a ongoing Investment cash cow The right. way that Chrysler will I mean It's not the same Of course But it, the same Mindset of Chrysler uh, Puts a uh, Auto Manufacturing plant In Mexico Monterey Our friend Carlos Actually right. works for Chrysler down there and it's a investment. It's uh-huh. like invest in that faraway land, uh, you know, situation, and you reap the benefits of it. So, Carlos is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so th- this was a, a main mission for these for these uh, behaviors, because otherwise, like, why would you invest all this money? Why would you have right. you know people died along the way? Yeah. Uh, there were just all these issues with it, and tobacco was a humongous crop. People in today's world might find it sort of surprising, but tobacco, there was so much money in it. Right. It was such a fad and it, and it could only grow in certain places. Yeah. And so tobacco was at first. And actually I have ancestors who were tobacco farmers, early 1600s. Wow. uh, Maryland specifically. Then for a number of different reasons, it switched to cotton. I could go Mm -hmm. into the full transition, the cotton gin, the environmental factors that led to different issues of crops and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, the point is, is the main thing here is that at a certain point in the South, particularly, they didn't have the industries that the North had. And so they had to depend on, on, they were very dependent on cotton exports. Right. And in order for them to survive, to pay their bills, Mm -hmm. in order for them to be profitable, in order for them not to go under and bankrupt and have to Go back to uh, Europe with their tail between their legs, and and in today's money, millions of dollars in debt. Right. So so they're they're sort of freaking out, and they're starting to lose profits. Things are not starting to look very good. Uh-huh. There's all sorts of factors, like I said, environment, um, labor being one, and so they have a decision that they have to make at this time. And these and it was a real crisis. They can either give up and go home and basically become homeless or destitute or something because they've invested all this time and money and whatever. Right. Basically just, it'd be like, you know, you're at your job and you just, or you have a business and you're, and you've invested your entire life into it. And one day you're just like, I guess I just have to, you know, close shop and, and, live the rest of my life working day to day, just trying to survive paying off all this debt, right?
1: Right. Did they have bankruptcy back then?
0: (laughs) I mean, no. This is is why historians went, but there'd be some version of that, right? Financial ruin was certainly a thing. No, that's
1: what I mean. Like, if you owed people, I don't think you got to say, well, I can't pay you back. I mean, you could say that, but they'd probably come after you anyways.
0: (laughs) Right. I'm sure there's a complicated history of laws that pertain to such things as credit, but... So you could either give up and go home or two, you could raise prices, which would reflect the difficulty of, of making the crop of cotton particularly, but that would be really hard. You know, it would lower demand. There might even be other countries that are doing better with, with the crops and you might actually go out of business just because of that. Or three, what's the third, what's the third choice? Uh, Cheaper labor. (laughs) Well, lower costs specifically. Yeah. And cheaper labor as yeah. being one of the ways that you lower costs. Right. And well, how do you how do you have cheaper labor?
1: Well, you, in, in
0: today's world, in today's
1: world, you uh, lobby to have no minimum wage, and then you just pay whatever scraps you, can, you you can get someone to work for.
0: Right. Or you might move your factory to another country where you can pay every, to Right. Pay <laughs> everyone less. Or yeah. you know, there's lots. It, it's a normal business practice. Yeah. It is within the capitalistic mantra. To lower costs, right. and um, and for especially cotton, uh, you know, production, labor was probably most of their costs. Right,
1: because it's not like they had machines, you know, and, well, we maybe we could get more efficient
0: machines or uh, solar-powered machines. No, no, it's people. <laughs> people had to work yeah. the fields, which was not fun work. They had to right. pick the cotton and blah, blah, blah. And so they... Were okay, so how do we reduce costs? Well, they did a lot of different things, and there are a lot of different ways that they did it in these early days. But there was already this thing called slavery that Europe had been perpetrating across every realm that they existed right. in uh, for centuries, and the South American states were no exception to this. Right. There were slaves in New York. There were slaves in the Caribbean. There were slaves in Brazil. There were slaves in Africa. There were slaves that were brought back to Europe. There was slavery – the European powers had slaves everywhere. Right. <laughs> and But it just so happened that in the South, the issue was – it was a critical – uh, element that they decided on they said, Well, in order for us to survive financially, we have to start really amping up this slavery thing bye, bye, buy. right, so get more slaves and but there are there are consequences to having a bunch of slaves, like in the beginning and around other places in the world, there was minimum or shall we say not the full blown like at one point in Mississippi, there were as many slaves as there were white people.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. So in in general, you'd have like, okay, I have a slave that's the the person cleaning the house, right? But this is different. This is like there's there's whole colonies of slaves that, right. to your point, are as num- numerous as the white people. <laughs> right. Half of the population are yeah. slaves in and Mississippi. So you have to house them. You have to keep them happy enough with their slavery and...
0: <laughs> okay, well, so that's kind of a problem, but not really, because you don't really care about their feelings. Well, but, I mean, so that they don't revolt or, you know, start really always attacking you or... Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's one of the cons is you yeah. get too many slaves, they could rebel right. and wipe you out. I mean, this was a real thing. This had happened yeah. in, I mean, Haiti, the hate, you know, we have the American Revolution... Where we rose up against the oppressive English, right? Well, in Haiti, they had something like twenty-five slaves for every for every slave right. for non-slave, and the slaves and the slaves were treated really badly, even you know compared to the United States. Right. And they rose up and basically and took took, over. O- took yeah. over. They they became right. the ruling people. You yeah. know, the, they became the government. They became the landowners. And the United States, particularly in the South, were justifiably terrified of this yeah. it was a, it was a thing it was a real threat, and there were hundreds of rebellion slave rebellions that happened in the United States too, yeah so it wasn 't like it was a foreign thing even to the united states and so it was terrifying right like these animals seem to want freedom how weird right so that that's a that's a a consequence to having a bunch of slaves yeah. but which is to them the only answer to avoid fina- financial ruin for entire colonies i mean it, you know it could be argued that if they didn't turn to slavery we would have a completely different history of the southern states as just being like these wastelands that financially and economically completely fell apart while the North had this um, uh, industry and other kinds of things that they got involved in. But you could also say that the North sort of depended on the South to actually uh, have that industry so it could prop up the early – I don't know all the details. I mean, it
1: got all the – it got a lot of resources from the South. They paid for a lot of resources that came from the South.
0: Right. So, yeah. so that's one worry is slave rebellion. What are some other worries that you might have about having too many slaves? I mean, you got to feed them. You know, you got to
1: house them and feed them because if if you don't, then you don't have your workforce. <laughs> okay.
0: But you also have to house and feed workers. So it's it it doesn't it's not it's not any different than if you had a bunch of workers who were free. Sure, but
1: ironically, you can't afford as many workers as you can afford slaves from a perspective of like you know, the workers, you got to pay them more money right. and all these things. And they'll leave. There'll be your attrition and stuff like that. Here you have a constant set of people. That's a lot of people. And they still are humans, even though you don't think they are. So they have to, you know, have – they use the bathroom. They need food. They, they need sleep. They need sure. all these things.
0: I don't know if that's so much of a con compared to workforce. But the cons that I could come up with were – in addition to the slave rebellion that you pointed out, Berto, is that many Americans considered it to be completely immoral. It's, you know, there, were a, there was a sizable amount of white Americans who considered it to be completely immoral. Like later on? No, no, at the time, early. Really? Yes. Oh. that's a It's a myth. That's surprising. I don't know why it would be surprising. It's not like they didn't have a moral compass in the year, you know, 1776. I, I, am,
1: I am surprised. I mean, like, the Bible is replete with slavery, sure. and historically, every civilization has had slaves since the dawn of time. Yeah. So
0: I'm surprised that it came so early. Oh, no. Yeah, very early. Yeah. In fact, one could argue, based on the limited information I know about early American history, is... Particularly in the beginning, it was it was troublesome. I, and I, if, I, if I remember right, God, you know, I'm now I'm just talking on my ass. But if I remember right, I think that a lot of the early American colonists were actually coming to the Americas to get away from things like slavery. Mm-hmm. I, do,
1: I, I do wonder if, if, because some of the mythos that was building up around uh, America about uh, the U.S., for the colonists was like the land of the free. This is Freedom, we finally have freedom. And maybe the more educated segments were like, actually, these are people, and I thought this was the land of the free, and maybe that was a cognitive dissonance. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Because it's an obvious cognitive yeah. dissonance. It was the same for women. There were early, we had early, right. uh, you know, our founding fathers, some of them, like uh, John uh, Adams. Or? Adams, yeah. from my memory, again, I didn't research this, but my memory is that he and his wife were actually totally against slaves, didn't have slaves themselves, mm-hmm. and also were pro-women suffrage, women voting.
1: But, I mean, the, the problem, or the, the, the issue I see why it wouldn't have been so so obvious is that a lot of people didn't think of uh, slaves
0: as people. Well, so, right? Well, so, it's more like dogs or horses. Well, so this is what I'm getting to. So this is this is, I think, part of the myth that we tell ourselves about the history of slavery is that we always saw black people as subhuman. And of course there was racism, there was racism against Chinese people, you know, there's racism yeah. against Native Americans. But it wasn't as as pronounced and as systematic and as fervently held to as it got later, which I'll get to in a second.
1: Okay, that's that's surprising because like in in Colombia and South America, uh I think there was also, you know, from the very beginning, there were missionaries that we're not on board with sort of like the systematic extermination of everyone. Uh, but uh, it seemed like culturally it was quite accepted that there that a hierarchy of humans made complete sense and that absolutely it's obvious that these these types of humans are lower on this hierarchy
0: so, and, and so uh, forth. 200 years from now when they read when they give a chapter to children in the 8th grade to read about history of America, if yeah. the United States still exists, and they read about 2019 in Washington State, there's not going to be a lot of nuance. There's not a lot of nuance about history that I was involved in, right? Yeah. When people characterize the 80s, there's, a, there's for younger people, there's this way that they'll talk about it as if it was uniform and And everyone thought the same way when we know growing up at the time, it was extremely diverse. So in the same way, when we think back to these people, we're like, oh, well, they must have all been racist and and they weren't. In fact, fact, I have family who worked on the Underground Railroad, uh, the metaphorical Underground Railroad. They were white people who lived in North Carolina who were – fervently against slavery and put their lives in danger so we don't know much detail because of course they wouldn't write it down but from what we understand they helped free slaves there were there were whole groups of people who lived in the south including some of my relatives who who were not only just you know against it voting wise but actually activists putting their lives on the line yeah, for th- black people but that's the exception that proves the rule like i'm saying like of course it wasn't all
1: 100% but like even feelings like well i mean they are people too of course we know they're not as smart like that that was so common even to this day right well
0: I, you know, I don't. I don't know why you're arguing with me. I'm just saying that. Uh, I like, just, I'm just saying. I'm getting to my point here, and so yeah. if you let me sort All of right, go through, go ahead. <laughs> so the number. T- so many Americans considered it immoral, and it's written down. And many of our finding, even the founding fathers, considered it immoral, and actually were totally against slavery. Many were totally for slavery. Many totally said they were against slavery when they had tons of slaves. George Washington, um, Thomas Jefferson included. Um, so it's a mixed bag, but certainly there were people that would think would, would talk very similarly to the way we do today. Um, number. So that's a problem with having too many slaves or any slaves, in the United States back then. Uh, number two is that there could be laws or potential laws that were already on the books that could be interpreted as a counter to having slaves. We, the people, all men are created equal, all this kind of stuff. And so, So this presents a problem. So you have the capitalists in the South who are like, we, the only way we're going to survive is if we have slaves. And I know I'm characterizing it in a simplistic way. Historians would say that's a simplistic notion, but go with me on this for a second, at least on this section of it. And they are, they're also, they can't just say without doing something, we're just going to have millions of slaves in the, in the hundreds of thousands of slaves in the South. They're not going to be able to get away with that because of these problems you have the rebellion problem, you have the legal problem, right. and you have the immoral problem, which has to do with, with the legal problem. So how, how do you deal with this when you have these problems, Brito?
1: I mean, you got to lobby <laughs> and get, get involved in, the, in Washington and try to get, uh, you know, congressmen on your side and,
0: and, and also— But how do you lobby? How do you? I mean, because you go to you go to your politicians, and they're like, "Well, you know, uh, someone from Massachusetts, for example," and they're just like, "Well, it's it's immoral that what you're doing right now." So I don't know what you're lobbying against, you know. So how do you convince politicians that you're right?
1: Well, that's irrelevant, right? Like today, this happens even today, where it's like, uh, "Hey, we need we need to do something about the environment." It's immoral that we're not. So what? Where's the money? Like, so like if anything, but as long as a, they had money to offer, that was enough for a good percentage of.
0: But they had you're missing a step there mm-hmm. The the people in power have to come up with a story that helps to placate the masses. They don't just say, nope, not going to do it. They they come up with a story mm-hmm. that placates the voters. OK, so it, with environmentalism, the story is everyone's recycling. So we're good. Yeah. or climate change isn't actually real, that's a bunch of leftist scientists who are biased. Yeah. That's the you have to sell, you don't just say no. You have to have a story. Sure. So when it comes to justifying slavery, what's the story? I don't know what the story was here. The story is that they're not humans. Oh, well that's what I was saying, but I didn't I didn't know if that was the main That's the thing. It it emerged out of that. Okay. And it's particular to that time and place. The the fervency of of the it was I mean, there were laws that defined black people as not as human as white people. Right? Yeah.
1: Well, but that was an old notion too, right? Like even the whole idea of why it was why slavery was okay in, in many contexts in the Old Testament is because you know, these weren't God's chosen people. And so you could say, well, "Well, you keep saying old
0: argument, but the, and of course, you know, like we've been talking about racism exists, but historians, and this is not me making shit up. No, Historians will say that at the time there was a decision or a movement or a incentive for a certain group of people who it was convenient to believe this, to start to increase their propaganda and their rhetoric and their belief and it became and it grew from a place of, shall we say, less fervency. I, I, I totally get that point. It's just like the example for, – for example, when
1: Hitler and his cabal would say, the Jews are the problem. Yeah, they were using that and promulgating that to, to put a, a flag on the ground on what, what they were talking about. But that was a very old story that they were u- leveraging for their purposes. But so so it, it, was, it was a common trope that the people – that are of a different kind and, and whatnot, uh, maybe natives, a little more primitive, whatever, they're definitely not quite human, or they're not chosen by God, or they don't have souls, or they don't have this. And so I think they, they latched onto that and said, yeah, let's go with that. Plus, yeah, there was also the, the you know, like the, this notion of uh, survival of the fittest, and, and like, well, we're
0: clearly the fittest and yeah. the smartest, and so... But I think you're missing the point that I'm making, which is that when a incentive is within a group of power to hold a certain belief that the belief will become stronger mm-hmm. and more prominent and more black and white, if you will, than it was originally. The Jews in Germany, certainly there had been racism for eons against Jews right. in Europe and around the world. But but if you just, in 1933... Uh, as a Nazi, an early Hitler Nazi stands up and says, let's round up all the Jews and kill millions of them. People would be like, well, we hate the Jews, but no, we're not going to do that. You have to systematically change your society over time, convince them of things that in, in seven years, eight years, nine years, you actually are uh, gassing and, and, you know, killing millions of Jews uh, all the time. So, so it, it, That's my point here is that the particular racism that we're still massively seeing evidence of in the southern states and throughout the United States really is due to the capitalistic motivations of the early cotton and to some extent tobacco plantation owners. It was was useful because if they didn't believe this – then they were all going to have financial ruin. Again, that's a simplistic way. So so there are many problems with, again, having these, um, as we said, so that you have the immoral problem. People are like, well, it's immoral. And even the people in the South, some of them actually believed it was immoral too, right? It wasn't just people in the North. Well, if you say that black people aren't human, if you believe, or in in maybe another way of putting it is, if you have darker skin, you're not human, then the immoral question arises for you. We're like, well, actually, no, it's not immoral because, you know, we treat our horses and pigs and chickens in a similar way. We probably treat these slaves better than we treat our pigs. So it's not really immoral, right? It's, it's similar to the way we treat animals. Right, um, and,
1: and so, and I get your point that that was something that they leveraged and they obviously were able to expand slavery as a result. But even, you know, 200 years prior to that, they had already like the 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 Church of Spain had already decreed that Indians probably didn't have souls, Indians meaning Native Americans, and hence, in the similar fashion, the hence don't worry about how we treat them because well it's like
0: you know, but again, they had a massive in, uh capitalistic incentive totally. to do so yeah it but you know, yes, I think it, only- it wasn't like it wasn't like Czechoslovakia suddenly had the if it existed at the time, which I'm sure yeah. it didn't or uh, I don't know. Russia existed at the time. Russia didn't have similar, from my knowledge, uh, similar decrees and, and points of view because it didn't matter to them. It mattered to the, sp- yep. to the Spanish because they were raping and killing uh, Native Americans in, in the Caribbean for right. since the 1400s. And,
1: and I think, so my only point, like, I think we agree like 99.9%. My only point is that the, this technique is ancient and builds on feelings that unfortunately are very human.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, But the point is, it, to, to be specific about what you're saying, is that unless you recognized how capitalism plays a role in this, then you're missing a massive sure. uh, issue in it. And, and it's often ignored. And when it was pointed out to me by historians, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Because... You know, we like to think of ourselves in Seattle, it's like, well, we're better than people in the South because we're not as racist as they are, which it could be argued we're actually just as racist, but that's our story. Yeah. But it's like, well, it's because Seattle was, uh, wasn't, it didn't depend on the need to dehumanize black people to survive the way that in the South they believed that they needed to do that.
1: You you, you get a little more complexity, too, because... So, as you know, take the 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 wall right now and and kind of implicit and sometimes explicit racism towards uh, Hispanics and Mexicans, right, or Mexicans in general. Um, the financial incentive is a lot grayer there. In fact, you could say that there's a financial incentive to shut the f up and let the let the cheap labor happen by all the you know in the South because all these companies depend on it. But there is this fear of a segment of the of the white population that's like they're going to be replaced the america won't look the same and and some of them are very explicit about it well and that's it, that's that's kind of a more complicated notion of what's their racial identity what's their history identity, yeah. and that they feel they're losing it
0: well it's complicated all the all the way around yeah. uh, and i'm glad you brought that up because it's it's analogous but it's less t- it, but it's related to capitalism and I'm, I'm not saying capitalism is bad yeah. i'm just saying When you have a system of capitalism, then you have certain problems that emerge. And unless you have an awareness of it as a society and as a as a government and as an individual, then you're going to have problems. And it's been known throughout history. People have known this for a long. anyway. But with the with the wall thing and the caravan thing, that's more of a political power thing. You know, when you need political power, which translates into financial power, by the way, yeah people want political power in the United States because they want a lot of people especially the people who talk about Mexicans if you just tr- follow the money they want they want money and and lots of it and they're getting money through political power yep. through corruption and laws and you know blah 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 IRS being uh, less powerful blah 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 and less taxes blah, blah, blah. and and the way that you get political power in the United States is you don't stand up and say, I want political power, I want money, you got to create a story. And the way you create a story is there are caravans and the, a bunch of yep. rapists and they're just they're just, you know, there's a there's a caravan of Mexicans that are making a beeline for your daughters that are going to rape them. You know, yep. that's essentially that I mean, that is like literally what pe- they're, they're basically saying. You yeah. Know? And you create- but it can't take root
1: if there's unfortunately not already right. some, something that the popul- that some percentage of the population will, will latch on to.
0: Well, and as you're saying, the maybe human uh, disposition, or and it's hard to know, but the typical reaction, shall we say, of xenophobia yeah. and of otherism. And so, yeah, it starts with that seed. But it when you have a people in power, either capitalists or political people, are basically capitalist political and they're
1: motivated to keep that power and or money
0: (laughs) you know the group they will create a story they will do things to uphold that story so that they can uphold their their money and their power and so and so that and unless as a group of people we don't wake the fuck up it's like we're just going to participate willingly in the power making of of 99.999% of us are just like victims to the whole thing.
1: So I think part of your point might be that uh even though yes we we have these natural xenophobic feelings and things like that throughout history they have been exacerbated and and used against us in in weaponized ways by folks seeking power and money. And I would say
0: 90% of the toxic, malignant racism in our society is related to this sort of thing. Yeah. I think people naturally, like for me, for example, growing up in a society in Seattle where there's not a lot of Jewish people. I mean, I had one Jewish friend. I, there was a one family that, that was Jewish that I was friends with. But Seattle doesn't really have that many Jewish people. And and as a result, there's not a lot of anti-Semitism that's, that's really prominent mm-hmm. because it, it, plus it's like, we don't have the history that the East Coast has or uh-huh. Europe has. And so I grew up in a society where I don't remember hearing any anti-Semitic. I'm sure it happened at times. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can remember it happening some point in times. But, but it was interesting to me as I got older and I had Jewish friends who would talk about, you know, there was this constant onslaught of, of right. anti-Semitism. And I thought, wow, you know, because to me, Jewish people – because if you would have asked me when I was 18 – what are the difference between Jewish people and non-Jewish white people in particular in Seattle, I would say they're, they're basically the same. There's no difference. You know what I mean? Like, and of course that's my privilege of being ignorant of like their plight. And I'm sure Jewish people growing up in Seattle would say something different. But my point is, it's like, I hadn't, I didn't have any otherism about Jewish people. Um, Whereas I'm sure if I had grown up in New York city, I would have at least sort of heard things and, and had these notions in the same way that I don't have anything against people from Belize, or yeah. I don't have anything against people from I don't know pick a random town nearby North Bend do right. you know what I mean I, I don't have anything I don't I have I have issues with people from Bellevue because Issaquah and Bellevue had this rivalry you know yeah. but North Bend not really so my point is is that sure otherism is a thing But why are certain otherisms so pronounced compared to other other, you know, other otherisms, you know, well, and 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 it has to do it often has to do with economics.
1: Yeah. And and sometimes so like my dad uh, worked in New York. He worked at a at a at a hospital and I guess a lot percentage of the psychiatry staff at that hospital was Jewish. And so I think he had some bad experiences with that, like. Maybe he felt discriminated against or maybe he felt that, that they they would sort of band together and then he was sort of like treated a bit as an outsider. Well, he probably also was fed
0: a certain line, right?
1: Maybe. I don't know because, again, like you were saying, me growing up in, in Bogota, I don't remember. I mean, it, I'm sure it was there. So in, in it's maybe one of those things like, well, you don't remember because you're not in that category. But so it might might have been there. But I know that the one person I do remember talking negatively was my dad. So I don't know if it was chicken or egg, but I do know that him being a Hispanic at a hospital with very broken English, it's very likely he had some negative experiences that made whatever feelings he may have already had or not, whatever preconceived notions, it made it, it exacerbated it. And then he always had like negative things to say.
0: (laughs) Right. So just summarizing the three problems that I came up with, Immoral, you say, nope, you know, they're livestock. Also, you can look towards religious scripture to support it. Also, there's a, once evolution became known in the 1800s, you could bastardize that and say that they're in between apes and humans. That was certainly a belief by many people. You can support it by early psychology. It wasn't really called psychology back then, but you could say, you could test their skulls and say that, well, they're subhuman. So there are a lot of different systems that played into the notion that You know, it's not really immoral because they're not really humans. The other thing is, is that you could, you deal with a lot, you know, so what about the laws? You know, we have, we have everyone's created equal. Well, again, if they're not human, then they don't have the rights that, that us humans have. And then if slave rebellions, this is a trickier one because uh, saying they're not humans doesn't necessarily deal with the slave problem per se. But what actually they did in the United States, I don't know if this was on purpose, but they actually treated – although the American slaves were treated horrifically, in Haiti they were treated much worse, Mm -hmm. if you can believe that. So there was some balance of like treat them very harshly when they are defiant – but don't, like, drive them into the ground. Because they cause will
1: then, get a slavery rebellion.
0: Because then they don't have any choice. Right. It's like, well, I'm going to die in this year. of, of you know, I'm going to die soon anyway. I yeah. might as well go down fighting, right? Right. And so you, you, you need to treat them at least somewhat okay. But what you do is you treat them like crap in general, but you keep them alive yeah. and kind of happy. And then... If they do defy, then you come down hard and fast and make an example, right? Which is what they did, and yeah. so it just basically like scared the you know the bejesus out of all these people. Um, and again, there were rebellions, but it just never got to the point where it was organized the way it was in in Haiti. Um, so let's take a break and we get back. Let's go into the next chapter, which uh, we would go into the minstrel shows and blackface. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast yet, do so now. Go to patreon.com, and you can – once you become a patron, you get access to all of our best episodes by – we'll give you instructions, and if you have trouble with those instructions, email us at com. So, minstrel shows. Uh, these started in the mid-1800s and went into the 1900s. And what do you know about minstrel shows?
1: Not much, honestly, except what I've seen on YouTube and when these issues have blown up in the last few years. But loosely, I understand that they would have performances where a white person would paint their face and exaggerate the size of their lips in some way to pretend that they were uh, African. And they would, you know, and then they would perform some, some show. Yeah. some some musical show or some some acting or something.
0: Yeah, it would be the whole thing. Acting, yeah. music, dancing. Yeah. But it was always super mocking. Like oh, okay. it was never a nice in, in
1: honor of. <laughs> right.
0: It was you know making them making African Americans look stupid, wild, sexually mm-hmm. promiscuous. Uh like you know, as if they can't talk right. Yeah. I remember things like that
1: sadly as a kid in Colombia about Asians. They they would do the little the little uh, the eye thing and they would all be with their arms crossed and they'd be making the the funny sounding voices and stuff.
0: Right. So this yeah. doesn't apply, you know, the the notion of blackface or the general making fun of another, yeah. of a caricature of a stereotype and mocking that group of people is not yeah. relegated to blackface. Totally. Uh, but the the thing about blackface, which is interesting, is that the it, and this is the point that I really want people to understand. If you're not that aware of this, is that blackface wasn't in and of itself bad in the beginning. It was what they did when they put the blackface on. If they put the blackface on mm-hmm. and had a a play on the stage that portrayed black people as humans as smart as worthy of rights, and there was a, a play in which the slaves rose up and right. got freedom, and that was what blackface was. Today, we would see blackface different in the United States. Mm. Blackface would, it's not just, and that's what a lot of people who don't understand blackface, including, I'm here to tell you, some African Americans, because why would they know this history? It goes back a long time. Sure. It's not just putting on a dark face. That's not that's not the problem. The problem is what it's associated with, which was decades of yeah. this horrific mocking that was going on, that made and kept black people down, really hurt their feelings, and justified white people's treatment of black people. Yeah.
1: So that makes sense. So that that's the perspective that I I I sort of knew about, but I didn't. I hadn't heard it ex, uh, explained like that. That that the the same thing could have developed different historically. Right. Certainly if there hadn't been slavery, for example, and just in place traditionally, sometimes some people of one race play different races and they put on makeup to do it, then we'd probably be like, yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> right. Imagine if
0: there was some tradition back then where men would play women yeah. and they would always wear a, a blonde wig that looked a particular way and then they would prance around on stage like they were dumbasses and sluts. Yeah. And, you know, and, and over time when we and it bled into the 1900s and we had early films of this sort and there were little figurines with, yeah. you know, dumb blonde women. But it was clear it wasn't really a blonde woman. It was like this caricature and their, you know, their legs are wide open and. They're falling over drunk, and, and and then as a blonde woman, you're looking at this, and, you're, and then and then you see someone walking around on Halloween with this with this dumb exact, blonde outfit, with this dumb this yeah. very clear outfit. You know, you would just be like, it would hurt your feelings. But right? what if
1: you see someone walking around dressed like Marilyn Monroe?
0: in that in my hypothetical world. Yeah. Right. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Um uh, because that's a key thing for everyone to understand as well in my opinion. Okay. So also to help us really relate cuz it's hard for you and me at least I think yeah. to relate to like why would blackface, you know, cuz to me I don't I wasn't there at the time. I'm I'm not a black person. Um, a lot of these uh, figurines and whatnot sort of float around the South, you know, in in Seattle, it was, you know, I probably really didn't even know about blackface as a minstrel, as a minstrel show thing until I was in my thirties. I knew about it a little bit because there's like some Bugs Bunny cartoons and, and things yeah, right. <laughs> where, where they did it. So, you know, oh, mame, you know, I remember stuff. But I didn't have any awareness of like, I, I pro- if you asked me what they're doing, I'd be like, I have no idea. Do you, do you know that they're trying to mock black people? i like, black people? He doesn't even look black. Right. He's a bunny. You know, right. I wouldn't even have known. Same, same here. I remember those cartoons too. <laughs> so to help us relate, what do we do now in entertainment that's similar today or in the past decade?
1: Uh, well, I mean, so I can relate from a different angle and maybe, I don't know if this is where you're going, like, so uh, the typical trope of sort of making fun of of Mexicans, no. uh, they don't it's not as much with Colombians because it's too far south, but like a lot of it is about Mexicans. So you'll see some dude with like a a, a rana or poncho and a big old sombrero hat and he's like lazy uh, say, and he's talking and uh, and then it's just like, yeah, you know, Mexicans, they're all lazy and like or drug dealers funny, or definitely drug dealers or gang members. Right? Um, so whenever I see that, even though the styles are different, it's not kind of the same clothing stuff. I I I know I feel it too because I'm like, well, okay. So and not only that, certainly people in general group me into that bucket no matter what. Cuz uh all, all ever since I've been here, uh even people that know me, it's like, "What you're are you from Mexico? I can't remember, you're from Mexico, right?" <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> and so yeah, I can I'm sure it's not as traumatic maybe of a thing, but it's certainly in that vein.
0: Yeah, but of, it can be traumatic uh, yeah. to people, yeah, for sure. Uh one example that I thought of was Borat.
1: Wow, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, those dumb Eastern Europeans. <laughs> well, it's, it's
0: particularly Ka- Kazakhstan.
1: Well, I don't know if Kazakhstan was a thing before Borat, but I certainly always kind of had a I knew that there was a sense of like the the, dump, the bumping bumpkin uh, bumpkin bumpkin Eastern European thing, you know. And Muslim so,
0: so so Borat right. is I don't know what I guess he's
1: Muslim too. I don't right? know what
0: yeah. face you have to that but yeah. it is a absolute mockery of a of a particular group of people sure. perpetrated by a privileged white yeah. uh, 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 Englishman. I mean yeah. he's Jewish so you could say he incurs a lot of problems yeah. from there but now whether or not we want to call Borat something that we shouldn't enjoy I don't I don't I'm not introducing that question but my point is is that we still do things like right. blackface in in the open complete open right. and Kazakhstanis were not happy about that movie right. at and all. at the time you know everyone was like, oh uh, stop being so sensitive and stuff I, I have a feeling Kazakhstan is a pretty marginalized group of people in the world probably and when you have the, an English superpower represented <laughs> you know uh, uh, yeah so and and really all of uh, um, Sasha Baron. Cohen's characters, many of them are like this. Right. Ollie G right. is a "quote unquote" black face blackface, blackface hipster, a, a hip hop dude, and well, a white guy acting black. Yeah. So that's an interesting oh. thing. But but if you're one of those guys, then that's not going to feel so good, you know.
1: Well, and then there's there's um, even small things like you're, I don't know if you ever read Garfield. It's not very funny at all. But back when I was a kid, I sort of enjoyed it. And there are the things you don't know were, if I
0: ever read Garfield. My Entire childhood was dominated okay. by... Gar- I mean, I so grew, up, I grew up in they, the 70s and 80s. Do you remember when he
1: would box up... Uh, Lasagna? No, box up Od and Odie. ship him to Abu Dhabi? Yeah. So, in my mind, I had never heard of Abu Dhabi, and it was just a punchline to a joke. Like, ah, he's going to some crazy, wacky place called Abu Dhabi. So, of course, that's a very, very small, tiny example. But it's that same sort of thing of like, that's foreign sounding, certainly nothing I know. Yeah. So, it's funny. It's right. funny. It's something to make fun of.
0: Right. Also, there are uh, cartoon. There were cartoonish racists in the Black Klansman movie. You have right. the. Although I don't think anyone's going to say we should be sympathetic. No to one k- tear, but <laughs> to KKK k- k- people. But it. But it's a similar thing. Right. It, it's characterizing people who probably aren't so buffoonish, right. and making them into a cartoon buffoon. Right. I, again, I'm not saying we're not supposed to do it. I don't know, right. but my point is, is that it, it is. It's a common thing that we do in entertainment. We, yeah. we, we. You know, as soon as you watch the Black Klansman, you immediately know. Oh, ha, ha, ha! Everyone Man. laughs. It's uh, that kind of people. Those are yeah. idiots. Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, That group that of group people. Of people are idiots. Yeah.
1: It's like uh, you know, and and black black comedians have done the white face where they pretend to be a dumb <laughs> anally retentive uh, white guy
0: right which we'll get into in a bit too you know well let's just answer that right now you, is that a bad thing because you, know, no, no. you have because right. you have you had bill um, Eddie Murphy doing it on SNL famously right. you had white chicks the Damon brothers right. uh, uh, Wayne brothers Wayne brothers no
1: Damon uh, Wayans, the yeah, Wayans right. brothers. Right, the
0: Wayans brothers. Yeah. One of them is Damon. <laughs> uh, you have other examples. Yeah. Is, is it the same thing?
1: Yeah, so, so my general answer is more along the lines of what you were saying earlier, which is I don't think there's a, a, a really hardcore problem with people pretending to be someone else or even another group of people. But there is a line to cross, and unfortunately, with some of it, there's historical horrific stuff that we have to be aware of. And with some of it, even if there isn't that history, if if the kind of humor you're doing, like the Kazakhstan example, if it crosses a boundary
0: where it's like, well, I'm, you're offending a whole country here, then who, maybe tr- who traditionally have been uh, treated unfairly and right. uh, by European powers. Right. What's What's hard with the white face? It's like. It's it's such a
1: general like, oh, up stu- stuck up white guy. But it, it's kind of hard to point to like the trauma it's causing for a specific group of of white individuals. What do you mean? Like when Eddie Murphy is, uh, you know, white face. and talk, it, It's like, yeah, I could see and maybe you could see a, a young teenage white guy going like, is that what we are like? But it, it's kind of harder because that. It, it doesn't. It's not a history of oppression where they're recreating that oppression. And the things they're even making fun of are usually just like, look at how uptight they are and buy the book, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, the way I would say it is that one, you just have to ask people if it really hurts their feelings. Yeah. When you go to a lot of African Americans and you and you show them depictions of blackface, it'll it'll hurt them. They'll be yeah. like, oh God, you know, uh, uh, seeing that just right. It's associated with so many horrible things that and, are And that's that are, what I'm saying is I don't, think,
1: I don't think you have the same feelings if you show the Eddie Murphy skit to a lot of white
0: people. Yeah, but. and, and a, yeah, a lot of white people would be like, well, they might be like, well, I'm sort of insulted, you know, with the notion that all white people are stuck up or something, but, you know, I'm not going to cry myself to sleep at night. The, the other thing, because... There are so many depictions, especially back then, of white people doing a lot of things, including heroic things yeah. at the time. In a society where there's only a small set of depictions and uh, some of them happen to be blackface, yeah. then you have like, you know, 3% of depictions of black people are are blackface. It's going to feel much more weighty than if Point zero 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 one percent of depictions of of white people are right, white faced. Right. The other thing is, is that in a, the United States society, there isn't a history of black people enslaving white people right, or keeping them out of the voting booth right. or lynching them for looking at a white woman. You know, there is. There or a black woman, right? There, there's this humongous history that black people lived and continue to live. And when you have a black face, it just brings all that back up, and it and it shows that people don't care. And so, when a black person does white face, we don't go, "Wow, that reminds me of my grandfather who was lynched by a gaggle of black people because." My grandfather looked at a black woman, right. and the police force was a part of it, and the government was a part of it, and the laws were a part of it, and that's, you know, no white person has that, and right. therefore, when whiteface happens, it doesn't, it doesn't get to you the way blackface does. And, there, and there's still even levels beyond that, like, you know, if you look
1: at, what's the last movie with Colombian actors that you saw
0: that wasn't about drugs? Oh well, I was going to say Narcos, but right? even, even the lead character was Mexican, right? right? Um, I mean, it, it, well, you it doesn't, tell. Well, uh, Modern Family is there, Oh yeah, what's her name? Right? Yeah. Um, what is her name? Uh, Vergara.
1: Vergara. Sofia? Sofia Vergara. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, it, males, at the very least, very few. Very few actors to begin with, and 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 in the roles, they're either Mexican or if they are Colombian, whatever. It's all, usually the drug, the drug angle. So yeah, so I don't have a whole bunch of colombian actor role models here in the u.s was like oh look that's a doctor that's a a scientist that's a computer programmer so if you show up to the halloween party and i mean you uh dressed as a colombian drug dealer after this conversation i'd probably be like hey man actually that's not cool as we discussed yeah absolutely, absolutely but but i won't feel the same kind of trauma necessarily
0: because you, well, you grew up in a Colombian society that right. valued Colombian, right, at least exactly. white, white Colombians. Yeah, like and, and I don't white.
1: remember being enslaved by half Asian uh, people telling me daily that
0: I'm a narco and yeah. kicking me and stuff. Give it so, some time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, another example that I thought of in preparation for this episode was in the 80s, there was a depiction of blondes as being stupid. Right. It, it was oh, a, absolutely. Like Chrissy on Three's Company. Yeah. And then and, and it was common parlance. Like, oh, you blonde. Right. Yeah. My mom's blonde, and I remember my mom would sort of give into it, yeah. and she would just start telling blonde jokes. And I'm just having a blonde moment. Right. Yeah. And so that hurts people. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a cartoonish depiction of a group of people that right. plays into a stereotype that isn't fair. Uh, now, I, I thought of some other examples. It like. Book of Mormon, the musical, yeah, written by the South Park guys, right? From what sense. I understand, Mormons actually like this musical of the, Mormon, so I've the Mormons I've talked to. Yeah. Now, the play is written by non-Mormons who are not pro-Mormon right. by any means. <laughs> right. It is probably produced and acted by non-Mormons, from what I understand. And yet, so it's a Mormon face, in right. a sense. It's a character and I'm sure there are stereotypes that are played out in that musical. And you have Mormons who are going to the musical and somehow they're walking out going, "Actually, yeah. that doesn't hurt my feelings."
1: It's a fair it it is a fair portrayal in a way and the things they're making fun of are sort of not existential threats to them, you know. Right. It's it's more like like is it funny they wear the shirt tucked in? I mean like stuff like that. It was like, "Yeah," That's funny, but it's not like, oh, my God, I can't believe you commented on my shirt.
0: Well, let's say that as a society 50 years ago, we rounded up all the Mormons and put them into internment camps, shall we say, because they were Mormons. We just there was no reason. We just rounded them all up and put them into internment camps for four or five years. And then we and then and then fast forward to today where you have a bunch of non-Mormons making a play about Mormons and not really honoring that yeah, history, right. then it'll feel a little different. Yeah. Now, one could argue that there were massive uh, actions against Mormons, particularly earlier back in history. Yeah, but,
1: then they were definitely displaced. Absolutely.
0: But uh, but anyway, my point is is that just doing blank face yeah. isn't alone bad. And I think that's another thing people need to understand is that... You could make an argument that someone could actually do blackface in a way. Like, for instance, Tropic Thunder. You have uh, Robert Downey Jr. Now, I haven't talked to every black person. I haven't read every account. But from what I understand from a lot of black people, when they watch Tropic Thunder and they see Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface, which is like a horrendous, horrific (laughs) version of blackface, (laughs) they're actually not insulted. Why, Birdo? Uh, Well, first of all... Not all of them, but uh, but the ones I've heard. First of all, I'll say I am not so sure that movie
1: could happen today. Let me just get that out. There's a lot of offensive content beyond even that in the the movie. But that being said, uh, the way it is presented is definitely the clueless entitled movie star is so clueless... That they think it's a good idea for them to play blackface. That is the premise of that blackface.
0: And his, the way he's portraying it is actually the the gestalt you get from it is this privileged white, you know, blonde, blue-eyed uh, actor is not necessarily doing a stereotype of black people, but doing a stereotype of a <laughs> people white people that do
1: stereotypes. Right, yeah, it's yeah. a
0: stereotype of a white yeah. person doing <laughs> a stereotype. And they have a black guy right next to him, frequently commenting <laughs> and ridiculing him. Yes, you know he, and it's so funny. You know because really Robert Downey Jr. is like, you know, oh, what? Like it's the funniest line. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, one of the white guys on the in the platoon says you people are something and then Robert Downey Jr's character goes what do you mean you people and then the, and then the black guy the actual black guy goes what do you mean you what do you mean you people you know what i mean right <laughs> i mean so uh, so now i'm sure there are some black people who are offended by it so i'm not going to say that it, it's 100% like wonderful but what I, my point is is that it's the effect and what i always yeah. get back to it's What does it do to people? And just because it doesn't do it to you and it doesn't hurt your feelings. And you notice I haven't said anything about offended because that word is completely crap in our society. I'm offended. Does does it offend you? Does that word offend you? (laughs) What's happening is that people are hurt. Yeah. Feelings are hurt. They feel shitty about themselves. They feel like they're, they're looking at something that makes them feel bad about themselves in some way. And then they say, I'm offended, but it begins with some kind of hurt. You know, when we talk about emotionally focused stuff, primary emotions. And so offended, it by just highlighting offended, and I actually encourage people out there to not say the word offended. I encourage you to say it hurt my feelings, and then I got offended. If you just say offended... It implies that you basically just cognitively decided that it was going to offend you, whereas if you explain, and people don't understand, and they just feel like, oh, there are rules and there's PC culture, but if you explain to people, when you do this, it actually hurts my feelings, and let me explain to you why, you're much more likely to get them to stop doing it.
1: Yeah, so what that leads me, maybe this is a little getting ahead of ourselves, but the problem I have, and I didn't see the damn pictures in this case, but... The two Congress people or whatever, or uh, representatives who 80s pictures came out where they were in high school or or college or something, and they were... It's like, that's not a current behavior, number one. Number two, there wasn't a conversation at all. Like, this offends me. Can you please stop this? Yeah, we'll get
0: to that in a second. So, reasons why we would do the minstrel show back in the day are... What what's the main reason why the the minstrel shows were, were done? Yeah,
1: I, I guess to your point it, it, from earlier, once you have this ball in motion, you you want to preserve the notion of like, yeah, isn't it, aren't aren't these things funny? Aren't these non people funny? And and like, look how
0: laughable this is. Look how not like us they are. Right, it's a. Absolute justification for the mistreatment of black people in our society. These portrayals make black people look like unintelligent, uncivilized, sex crazed mani- maniacs sometimes, which helped to justify segregation, oppression of the vote, marginalization, beatings, murders, lynchings, etc. Right. I mean, there were some nasty shit happening back then. I mean, Compared to today, there's nasty shit happening today. But back then, it was some nasty shit that was happening. And in order to justify that, y- you have to have some mechan- – you have to have a number of mechanisms, including entertainment, that will uphold that. So so that's one thing. It's not a conscious thing, but it's, it's a thing that sort of evolved into a society that helped people to feel good, essentially. Um, it's also a way for white people to steal good elements of black culture. You know, it, if you – like something that another group of people are doing and you want to copy it or something, Uh typically the honorable way is to honor that, right? Right. You either get them to perform for you by paying them or something and respecting them, or you say, I am going to do something that I saw this other group do that I think is amazing. And I'm sure I'm not going to do it as well, but let me try to do it. Like you give honor where honors do. But you don't want to honor black people cuz that gives them power and that upholds this notion that they can actually get the vote and get power and get elected and blah, blah, and then, you know, blah blah blah. So what you do is you but you like those things and they're better in a lot of ways. It's yeah. it's better music, it's better dancing. It's it's uh, perhaps better emotional expression in some way. And so right. we're just going to but how but you can't as a white person just start doing Black music and black dancing, and you can't well,
1: say it's better
0: than white stuff, right? So yeah. you got you have to dress up in blackface and make yourself look like a like a buffoon, but then you get to perform and do this similar art artistry that 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 they did because the American music, which has dominated the national or the international stage for the past hundred years, completely grew out of the integration of African music and classical music with with European music yeah. not just classical but also like Irish music and stuff and uh, and we've been minstrel showing that through Elvis and the Beatles you yeah. know hate to say that right um, so yeah.
1: but so take you know take the Beatles uh, specifically uh, first of all they were certainly not dressing up like uh, uh, like black people in blackface or something like that but not only that they 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 were definitely honoring their roots there because they, they would frequently talk about how those were the records that really moved them. They they idolized these artists. And, and so they, you know, and you could say, you could say that that, especially for the time, was as close as anyone could get to
0: like honoring that, that culture. Right. I'm not going to say that the Beatles should be blamed. I'm just saying that there's a long tradition or even Elvis for that matter. There's just, it's society's problem that yeah. they wouldn't, Pay attention to the original works and would only pay attention when a white person did it
1: sure but but I, I actually also see uh there is something magical that happens when you mix, yeah and I think the mixture created something magical
0: sure absolutely it's all it 's all there another reason the main reason why I think people did it on the ground level is that people did minstrel shows as a way to make. Their insecurities go away temporarily. It's why we laugh at Borat and you know making. F- I mean, for most people who like Borat, they don't even they didn't even know Kazakhstan existed. They probably still don't. Right. It's just a foreigner who is an idiot. Right. And isn't that funny? You know, the dumb foreigner who doesn't know how to live in our civilized society, right. who who poops in a bag and gives it to people. Which, by the way, uh, in Colombia.
1: There were definitely, that, that would happen about, uh, U.S., the U.S. So like, in TV shows and, and stuff, there would be the dumb American, the dumb U.S. Uh, we, we didn't call them American because we were America, <laughs> you know, we were South America. So it, and it was usually some tall, and, he was t- speaking Spanish, but he'd be like Hola, como estás too," and his humor was pie in the face, and it was like it was really like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you feel insecure about yourself, a very quick straight route to making you temporarily feel less insecure is to put down another group of people, because by implication, your group of people is superior, and when you do blackface and you look at how funny and stupid and sex crazed and savage these black people are and, and you have white people portraying in that way, then you're like, Oh, we're superior. Now I, you know, I temporarily feel good about myself. Right. It's a, it's a very frequent thing that we do in yeah. entertainment. Um, number two is the, the, the last one. I'll say number four it, reason why I think we did minstrel show is that, it was an excuse for and i basically kind of alluded to this earlier but it's a, it was an excuse for people back then and and this goes again into elvis and the beatles it's an excuse for people for white victorian society people to break free of the bonds of victorian society you have a uh, this notion of proper etiquette and yeah. proper behavior and when you dress up in blackface all bets are off. I see. Because these are uncivilized. These are animals. Yeah, they're animals. Right. They can bounce around, and they can be sexual, and they can sing loud, and they can have emotions, and they can speak their mind, and and so it was liberating. So for, they could be more human as a result. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, not that black people were these things, it was just right. the association. No, it just
1: ironically allowed the white performers to actually be more human than they they were normally being. <laughs> right.
0: So so those are the four reasons. Well, so let's get into the famous people here. Uh you were talking about the recent people in in Virginia. Who else uh notable people can we think of?
1: I I don't know. Like I I know that there's been multiple wasn't one of the royals in blackface?
0: Probably. So I just have the 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 list I could come up with. Okay. So we have former Florida State Secretary Mike Ertel dressed as the Hurricane Katrina victim at a Halloween party. This this one's sort of making the rounds. That
1: seems like – that seems extreme. Yeah, that
0: was recent, and and this I don't think was in college. I'm not sure. Yeah, so you have this, you know, Secretary of State, Florida. (laughs) I I don't know if he was in politics at the time, but after Hurricane Katrina – Lots of people d- died. You had bodies floating in the water. You had piles of bodies at the stadium right. and blah, blah, blah. This dude, this fucker dresses up as a quote unquote hurricane victim, Katrina victim, by making his face black, by dressing in a dress, by having big fake boobs, by having big garish earrings. And oh my God. And went to a party and allowed himself to have his picture taken. Wow. Yeah. So, if you don't understand wow. why blackface, that would hurt someone. Even, if, even without the blackface context. Right. <laughs> because
1: that's... In that case, let's say the, there was no blackface controversy or this history or anything. But you're making fun of this horrible tragedy.
0: So, that one to us feels so much more taboo and so much more real because we were alive and paying attention when the hurricane Katrina tragedy happened. Yeah. But that pales in comparison to what was happening to African Americans in, you know, the early part of the 1900s and in the 1800s. So when African Americans see blackface, they, they not only think of Katrina, but they think of, not only the history, but also, like, mistreatment of police and racism that happens at the workplace on a daily basis. You know, it, that's what they're reminded of.
1: Well, because there's also the reason, the re- once you start uh, unraveling the onion of, like, oh, yeah, why were there so many victims? Why were so many of the victims black? And then it, it, it is all tied together. Right. It's like saying uh, someone dressed as a Holocaust victim to a Halloween party and how offensive that would be. But you don't stop at like, well, the Holocaust was horrible, so you shouldn't make fun of that. Because it's like, well, why were there Holocaust victims? Why were
0: they Jewish? What was happening? And it's all tied together. And victim groups will know these facts. And if you're not of the victim group and you're not aware, you might not know those facts. And just because you don't know those facts doesn't mean that the facts don't exist in these people's minds when they see you doing certain things. Illinois state senate candidate Hal Patton dressed uh, dressed up as a rapper, quote unquote, for Halloween. This was 10 years ago. Blackface. Florida state representative Anthony yeah, Sabatini. Sorry,
1: sorry, let's go back to that one for a second. Yeah. So that one is interesting because if you don't have all the context of why blackface is inherently bad from the history that you've discussed, and I don't I didn't see the picture, so I don't know if this was like get it, how stupid black people are with their rap. But if it's like, no, I'm a rapper, get it, look at my chains and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see how people would be like, what? What's the problem?
0: Well, okay, so let's get into that before we – well, let me read all the other ones and then we'll get into that question of intent. You have Florida State Representative Anthony Sabatini dressed up as his best friend i don't know exactly what that means Judy garland uh dressed up in blackface like classic blackface when she was a cha- when she was young. This is around the time of Wizard of of Oz in the movie everybody sing nineteen thirty eight you can actually watch this on youtube it is if so if you want to see a the bridge between old Minstrel and New Minstrel, mm-hmm. watch Judy Garland in everybody sing it is. It is it is interesting. <laughs> I watched it, and uh, she's a little girl, right? She's she's probably like twenty. Oh, okay, so something. not a girl. Yeah, uh, I thought she was a kid. Jean, well, I don't know how old she was, but okay. she's not like a little. I I don't think she came on the scene until well. Anyway, uh, Gene Wilder in Silver Streak with Richard Pryor. Have, did you ever see this movie? Yeah, it was a huge movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so again, it's total blackface. So you have Gene Wilder is trying to blend in and he dresses up. he right. does blackface he puts on a rastafarian hat he ha- i think he might even have a boom box yep. and he's trying to walk jive but then richard Pryor walks up to gene is right. like what are you doing so that
1: to me is in the same category as robert downey jr right it's hilarious i could totally understand if someone
0: gets offended by it though but or hurt by it
1: uh, but i'm sure i'm just saying
0: but less <laughs> likely to be hurt because right. richard Pryor is like You are the buffoon. Right. You are a stereotype of someone who was trying to stereotype something. We're making fun of you. (laughs) And I, Richard Pryor, am standing right here laughing at you. So, and again, this is that thing that people, you don't just look at blackface and go, that's offensive. That's against the rules. Like, it's a much more subtle thing than that. It's not so subtle, actually, but you need to understand the background so you understand how to interpret things. So because I think that when we just have this blanket rule, it does become basically just PC culture. Yep. And the idiots on the right are correct when they when they criticize us for having these really arbitrary rules that don't make any sense. And black people will step forward and say, actually, uh, Silver Streak and Tropic Thunder – don't bother me. I don't know what all these white liberals are talking about. They don't even understand. All these white liberals don't even ask a black person which sure. blackface actually bothers us. Right. Which is a whole other form of ignorance.
1: And it's almost like if you make if you make it all bad, then it becomes noise and it gives ammo to the other side to be
0: like, see, everything's offensive. Right. Joni Mitchell, which I did not know this. Uh, I've loved Joni Mitchell for decades. She her nineteen seventy seven album. Don Juan Reckless Daughter, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. She is dressed up, total blackface, and she kind of looks like she's a pimp. I'm not quite sure. I've seen this album cover before. I did not know it was Joni Mitchell. It's that good of a costume. Wow. But it is interesting. Ted Danson, while roasting his then-girlfriend Whoopi Goldberg during a roast, like a roast dinner, did put on blackface Uh and then repeatedly used the N-word... And yeah. roasted her. I I think Whoopi Goldberg afterwards was like, "Yeah, it was fine. It was it's my boyfriend, you know." I mean, sure. he's married or dating. It doesn't make Whoopi it over. It doesn't <laughs> automatically make it right, but it gives you a little bit of a of a red flag of like, well, we have to ask the people involved now. Yeah, but we have to that's also have to, but we fair. also have to ask other black people just because Whoopi Goldberg yeah, signs off on it.
1: No, I, I guess you're right. Uh, I should clarify. What I was trying to do was more of a different question, which was: Is Ted Danson racist? Right. So I was answering well, like, "Well, no, no." But well, so that's another that doesn't mean that what that action is not hurtful to some
0: people. Well, actually, let's get to that question now because I find this to be a massive problem in the discourse around blackface today. When we find these incriminating photos from college from people. Yeah. Essentially what people do is they look at that and they go, oh, that guy is a hundred percent racist. Right. He's the enemy and we need to get rid of him. Similar to when you hear about a c- few credible reports from uh, Kevin Spacey's circle who say that, yeah, he's an asshole and he's been sexually abusing me and other people. I've, you I've, get you get a few, accounts and you're like, okay, Kevin Spacey's done. We need to get rid of him. Uh, That, and to me, those are not on the same level. No. Uh, Now, if we look at, say that, and I'm guessing if you looked at the Katrina victim guy, uh, how, sorry. It's probably a pattern uh, of things. (laughs) uh, Mike Ertel from Florida. If you actually, for that guy to come up with that costume, I would suspect it's the tip of the iceberg but you have to find more evidence yep. you can't just look at someone's black now is it a terribly ignorant thing that they did yeah should they be ridiculed and told <laughs> maybe not ridiculed but should they be outed should they be told that's that's wrong and should we you know say this is not okay yes but does it does it indicate the iceberg no uh, black when someone and really even just blackface throughout history It it, in and of itself is not the horrible thing. It's what it represents, which is stereotyping, ridicule, oppression, slavery, killings, uh, uh, lack of vote, lack of power, dehumanizing, like the whole police brutality. It's all there. And so we have to look at those people and and say, because it's possible, absolutely possible in our side. It's not likely to be this extreme, but it's possible for someone to have a squeaky clean track record when it comes to legislation that benefits those that are marginalized, including black right. people. And when they were in college, they had no fucking clue sure. and dressed up in blackface.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I had no fucking clue all through my twenties about so many things. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it occurs to me that if you're sitting there and you are, you know, making a decision about a costume, in this day and age, uh, who gives you advice? Yeah. So, you know, so, like you think of you are in well, a high in th- school or a college, well, right? Well, in this
0: day and age, it, it's easier because of the internet. But in the 80s, well, wh- wh- Oh, yeah, that?
1: no, sorry. I, I, I actually, I don't know why I said in this day and age. You're right. I meant just as a kid growing up, you know, a teenager or a, or a college person, you're trying to pick a costume. Who's giving you advice? No one, right? You're just trying to be funny. Okay, Now, you might actually be a hardcore racist and you're doing this to make fun of that group of people and all these things. That's fine. But in a lot of cases,
0: you're like, I don't know. Uh, I just thought it'd be funny to make fun of this stupid thing. Right. So I'm going to give an example of this. It occurred to me while I was prepping for this that I did a slight version of blackface not that long ago. It wasn't actually blackface, but it, but it could be interpreted that way. For Halloween... I was lazy and I didn't know what to do for a costume Uh back then. Now I kind of go full out for costume. So back then it was just like, whatever is the fastest route from me to at least looking like I have a costume on so that when I go to a Halloween party, I I don't look like a, like a lame person. And so I had, or I bought this Afro rig wig. (laughs) And what I did was I just dressed up in a, Starsky and Hutch kind of way? Or? No, like an, just a nice outfit. Oh, okay. And I was, and I said, people asked me, what are you? And I had sunglasses on. And they're just yeah. like, what are you? And I was just like, I'm a guy in a suit with an afro. Okay. And now, now, I didn't do my face right. black. But now, a sympathetic view to me is like, well, lots of people have afros. Yeah. Unsympathetic view is, well, most people with afros are black people. Right. So you're kind of acting like you're a you're black person. You're doing black
1: hair. Black hair. Yeah. Now, I didn't black walk hair.
0: around going, oh, I'm a black person, you know, I, or mocking or stared. Stereoty- yeah. I, I just, it was just me putting on a, a weird wig. Yeah. Far, like another year I put on a rainbow Afro wig because yeah. I have this giant r- r- rainbow Afro wig that I think actually my mom gave I me. I remember pictures of that. Yeah. And, but if looked at a certain way- Are you making fun of gay people? <laughs> gay black people? Uh, So <laughs> you can make the argument. Yeah. Now- I'm saying this because if knowing what I know now, yeah. not, you know, this was 10 years ago, yeah. I wouldn't do that Yeah, because I'd be like, well, what if someone sees this and thinks that that's what I'm doing? So I'm not going to do it. Right. But maybe someone looked at me back then and that's what they thought. Sure. Which Could is, be. which is awful. So my point is, is that, and I arguably even 10 years ago was one of the most, um, I don't know, shall we say, progressive politically sure. and sensitive to that kind of thing, yeah. uh, um, s- sympathetic, obviously, to those kinds of notions. And yet it didn't cross my mind at the time. Now, if someone had said, well, wh- if you're going to do a black person, you got to go full makeup, I would have said, no, that's blackface, that's awful, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. I would have known that much. You would have known. But – so, but the wig was sure. you know, in know. uh see Thomas Howell in the nineteen eighty six movie Soul Man. Uh oh, I remember that. Right. Um, that was horrible. Yeah. He uses blackface in order to pretend to be black to qualify for an all for a black only scholarship at Harvard Law School. God, that was a terrible movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> President Reagan said he enjoyed he enjoyed the film. <laughs> um, Julianne Huff dressed up. Uh, as a character from Orange Is the New Black, you, that was a few years ago. Remember that one?
1: Yeah. So the, this is where we get into territory of like someone's dressing up as a as a as a singer or an, a character in a movie, and that's where I start losing interest in the in the outrage.
0: Well, so if Julianne Huff, I think that's how you pronounce her name, th- asked a black person. <laughs> I'm about to portray a black person for a Halloween costume, and I'm going to put, uh, you know, black makeup on my face to make myself look back. Black, how do you feel about that? Right. In all likelihood, if she asked 10 black people, a good number of them would be like, actually, if you do that, you could actually hurt people's feelings. Sure. So now, um, before we get into the, to that question, Jimmy Fallon dressed up as Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live. Jimmy Kimmel dressed up as a lot of black people on his shows, Shaq included. Drake had some sort of controversy because even though he's considered African-Canadian, African-American.
1: He's not dark enough.
0: He, he actually put darker makeup on for, for some kind of thing. Uh, Jim, Billy Crystal dressed up as Sammy Davis Jr. on Saturday Night Live and, and in the 2012 Oscars. Um, Fred Armisen did Obama and many other black people. Robert Downey Jr., of course. Okay, So is it – so some say, well, you know, as we've been saying, well, if someone loves Michael Jackson and they're not – and and they dress up in blackface for Michael Jackson and they walk around acting like the good part of Michael Jackson, shall we say, and they don't do any buffoonery or any, you know, like I'm a pedophile or something. You know, they're just like being respectful, shall we say, even though I guess you could argue if you believe as a pedophile you shouldn't be. But anyway, the point is it's like it's not – character stereotypical characterization is that you know people say is that okay is that against the rules what do you say bro yeah so this is where and it's probably controversial but actually before we get to that answer let's take a break what do you say i don't know (laughs) all right we're back from the break so intention berto is intent a factor in blackface
1: yeah so absolutely but i i think the, the controversial part here is that the, the whole history you were relating about how blackface came about, the whole point was to minimize, demean, make fun of, you know, animalize, all these things. But when, when someone's actually dressing up as, as a hero of theirs, someone they idolize, be an actor, uh, um, a musician, something like that, that's the opposite. So now the question is, but why do they need to wear the makeup? It's like, but, but it's kind of a weird question. It's like when you put on costumes, you try to approach closer to something. And if your skin is light colored and the person you're trying to impersonate is darker colored, you're going to, if you don't do that step, it's like, oh, wait, how am I supposed to guess who you are? Because part of your costume is missing. And I think that's how, that's how people view it. Now, to be fair, I've dressed up as Michael Jackson before and never like painted myself. But I wore like a jacket that looked kind of like the jacket in Thriller and I put a glove on one hand and stuff like that. And it was all out of like I used to love Michael Jackson music, you know. But – and certainly if I was doing that and then painted my face and then I was like – or even – actually, that would be even weirder because I'd paint my face like actually white. <laughs> but the point is, no, I don't think we should be outraged of every kind Of people dressing up as other people just because they put makeup on that's darker. I think we should be outraged based on the intent and, uh, and then, and then actually, you know, correct them. And I also don't think that this should be a, a, as soon as you've done some of these behaviors, you're done. You're done with whatever, uh, professional thing you've got going. You're done socially because it's just like, I don't think it matches nor it teaches nor it's a conversation. So that's my,
0: It's a, it needs to be a, and once we see that, then we say, okay, let's look into their track record. Yeah. And then let's judge the person as, as a whole. And if this is their one transgression, then we'll give them a slap on the hand and say, here's why you don't do this. Uh, I thank you for having a good track record. If they have a bad track record, then they're done. So, so my, my take, and I think your take is, in the direction of mine, but my, my take, as I always say, comes back to empathy. So it's not about saying, well, you know, this person has good intent because that's what people say. It's like, well, this person didn't intend on harming other people. And this is a question that comes up with quote unquote PC culture all the time. The issue here is striving for lack of ignorance and empathy for other people. So, if you are a privileged class who doesn't have to think about such a thing, for example, if you're not black, if, particularly if you're white, you don't have to think about blackface or not. You don't have to think about this sort of thing because it's not really a part of your life and you're not an oppressed class in our, in our society. Maybe you are in other ways, but not in this way. And so you you get to, as a privilege, not have to pay attention to such a thing. But that doesn't mean you're off the hook. What it means is with that privilege comes responsibility, which you actually have to start to educate yourself about what is happening on behalf of your group of people, which is oppression of black people, including the act of blackface. And so you have to become aware of that one. So your intent, just because you don't know about this, doesn't mean that that's okay. The other thing is, is that you could intend on being completely respectful. Take you, for example, Berto, you loved Michael Jackson. You weren't trying to mock. Let's say you did do blackface, just because you just thought, well, I, I'm going to go, the, I'm going to go full hog. I'm going to really yeah. do this up, young Michael Jackson. I'm going to do full black black makeup because I really, I really want people to go like, whoa, it's Michael Jackson. You did well. You yeah. did the full thing, you yeah. Know? And your intent's totally pure, and you love Michael Jackson. You don't have a. Let's just say hypothetically, you don't have a racist bone in your body. You have a good track record, right? Well, it could hurt someone's feelings who doesn't know you or doesn't know your intent, or it just sort of shocks them into, oh my God, someone's doing blackface, what does this mean? And for that reason, we should take that in consideration as we take actions. And for a lot of people, if you don't come from that group or class, it is almost impossible to relate. And so you have to actually ask someone, I'm about to do this, How do you feel about it? Would it hurt your feelings? Get their take. Ask a couple other people. Would this hurt your feelings? Would this this sort of be any kind of problem for you? And if it's any kind of problem, then I'm guessing you don't want to do it, and you'll decide on something else, because there's a lot of things to do on Halloween. You know, people are like, well, welcome, you know, I want to dress up. I want the freedom to do what I want on Halloween. You know how many fucking costumes are available to you? Just get a Boba Fett mask and walk around. People (laughs) will like you. So... So that's the point is, is empathy for other people. What do you think about that, Mario? Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, and clearly, first of all, not
1: everything is open to you. It, it, we're not actually in a completely free experience as human beings. You know, we think, well, we're in a free country. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you don't have complete freedom, not by a long shot. First of all, as we know, you are physically limited in your freedom. Second, you're limited by the laws of the land. Third, you're limited by the social norms. And fourth, you should limit, you should self limit based on other people's uh, needs around you. Now, that said, I do think, um, I guess to the point you made earlier people are going to have oversights and maybe they forgot to ask maybe they didn't think maybe they weren't aware of something cuz some of these are a little more obvious like i dressed up as a hurricane victim it's like come you really didn't know okay but some of them are a little harder like you know someone dressed up as a as a rapper and they really meant to dress up as a as a as a hip like even like a a 90s gangster rapper or something like all right okay, you probably need to know that this actually brings up a whole host of other issues and stuff. Um, So I think learning and then being able to learn is important. And like we've done a few other episodes about other topics where I feel like one of the big problems is that we don't have a cycle of being able to educate someone, have them learn, and then move on. Instead, the outrage machine on the internet specifically casts them aside – And then everyone's just fearful about their past.
0: Right. It it comes from an actual rational place. We have racism in our society, and we have a history of atrocities. And there are people who are woke to that notion, black people and, and otherwise. And it's upsetting, and it's bothersome. And there are statistics today that will bother us when we review the literature. Black people are incarcerated for the same, more often for longer periods of time, for the same crime that a white person does. Black people are, uh, they don't, you know, you send resumes out to groups of people to uh, ask them who you would like to call for an interview. And on one resume, it's John. On another, it's the same resume. You just change the name to Jerome or Tyrone or something. And the John gets way more callbacks than the Jerome, even though the the resume is exactly the same. These are empirical facts of our society and anyone who denies it is a denier of statistics and reality. And so when – so we have a real problem. We have a real problem in our society and many societies around the world. And so there are a lot of people who are upset about that justifiably. And then blackface come in, but the opportunity to attack it is not available to a lot of people, particularly people who aren't in academia or at the front lines or this sort of thing. Yep. Particularly if you don't, maybe you don't have money because you can't donate to certain causes or something. And so you want to do something and you, then this thing comes across your Twitter feed and boom, you have an opportunity to, 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 to strike for justice. Yep. And so you take that opportunity, but, And so you get a way overblown reaction to something when how many people are writing their congresspeople and saying, I need you to vote this way. How many people are getting the vote out to elect more people of color, yeah. more, more women, more LGBTQ? Well, that energy is not directed. How enough. many people are going over to their neighbors and saying, "Hey, I'd like to talk about you know this or that." And you know, uh, did you hear about this news story about blackface? You know, do you know anything about it? You know, let's talk about it. No, that's not what we're doing because it's not a part of our tradition, or we're afraid, or we and we don't have leaders that are helping us with this, or at least the leaders that many of us have elected, they're not helping. And so that's the problem is that people everywhere aren't putting effort into things that actually matter and they're and all their effort and I'm characterizing people and stereotyping them, but a lot of people's efforts are going into things that actually don't matter that much when there are things To be done in our society
1: yep now i also made a point uh last year i think the year before that one of the there was some controversy during halloween of someone dressing up i don't know that it was blackface i think it was some other kind of costume and i made a point online that no one freaks out or is offended or goes on a crusade when they see someone dressed as a pirate during halloween or when they see someone dressed as a witch during Halloween, and I can give other examples too. But let's take those two; those are common costumes, right? Like
0: or your costume, where you were a mixture of Harry Potter, <laughs> Poe Dameron, right? No one and, I, and Chewbacca. And, well, Chewbacca and someone who wields a lightsaber, right? Like, jedi Jediish. So a random Jedi. No one was
1: outraged about that. No, but but you know, I, you I was outraged by outrage. You know how common pirate costumes are, right? Yeah, and witch costumes very common. What are pirates? Pirates are these historic, like male, right? Number one, pretty much male, rapists, thieves, you know, murderers, like horrid. And today we have pirates operating on the seas, and they're and they're even worse. They have guns. They kill. What are witches? Witches represent the patriarchy historically, like the oppression of women, mass murders of women because of feelings of like you're satanic, all these things.
0: Well, geez. No now, one bats well, now an I'm, eyelid. I'm going to bat an eyelid now. Yeah.
1: Well, what I'm saying is should we ban all customs that have some historical context stuff?
0: This is where I think. Well, it ha- again, it has to do with empathy. So, yeah. how many women are insulted when they see a witch costume? Not many, right? But there could be. You could imagine a movement that sparks up all of a sudden, yeah,
1: right. And then if enough people, well, one of the and things, then we
0: have to listen and and right. we say, okay, well, even though it sort of emerged or reemerged yeah. seemingly out of nowhere, we consider that we don't we don't get up in arms about it. We just like, sure. okay, I guess let's try to consider that and, when we move forward
1: and that's where i wish we could get to with some of these things is that not everyone is a hitler yeah a lot of people did some dumb things in their past maybe even recently but they can learn they can grow they don't need to be destroyed
0: right some do though <laughs> yeah Yeah. harvey weinstein needs to be destroyed right. kevin spacey probably needs to be destroyed and and these two people have been destroyed right. in terms of professionally yeah other people like this. Prospect, There's a certain line that I think, at least I have, yeah. that I think, okay, you're done. Whereas other people, right, it's like, well, we need more information. Because yeah. uh, if, if that's it, and they have a pretty good track record, right. then I, I think let's slap them on the wrist. Right. Let, let's and about on.
1: what it was, because again, I gave this example in another episode, when the it was, uh, this person might have raped someone in college. Well, then we don't say, well, yeah, but the rest of their track record is fine. Right. Or, or, or worse, like, this person might have murdered someone. In, oh, yeah, but they've been really nice since then. Well, and I, it's, <laughs>
0: it brings up a really interesting question that I don't think is easy to answer. I, I, For me, as I state, I'll just restate it, is that there's a general sense that I have, but it's not and it's not an innate line that I have. It's actually a line that has derived from discourse and will continue to change over time. Yeah. And I think that just needs to be part of the discourse between us as individuals and in society of of what category is this person in? Are they in the, the we don't know enough about this person and we have a picture of a black face and we need to know more? Are they in the category of, I don't need to know anything more. This is this one act. negates their entire existence and validation, you know, validity to me. Right. Or it was it a systematic long-term Bill Cosby decades long atrocity. And they're, they've been beyond the line for years. You know, still deny. (laughs) Right. So, you know, there just needs to be different categories. So let me go into some other things here. In terms of my notes, because I feel like I spent enough time on these, I I always want to get to all my little dumb points here. Um, In terms of intent, I have a little analogy. And, Berto, you tell me if this is dumb, because it might be. But I don't know. I I find it to be analogous to, well, you know, hey, I I didn't intend on it hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. So say someone breaks into my house and I grab my AR-15, which I don't have. I don't have any guns. But if I say I did, I grab this AR-15 with, you know, a huge clip of bullets. And I chase the burglar out of my house. And then as the burglar is running down the road, I just start spraying bullets down the street. Right. uh, Potentially into people's homes. And I end up killing one of my neighbors. And then the police show up and there's this big investigation. They look at me and the neighbors are like, why did you do that? And I'm like, well, you know, don't blame me. I didn't intend on shooting anyone. Is that an analogy?
1: (laughs) It, it's extreme but I, I see i think i see where you're getting at which is that that the the intent doesn't excuse
0: the uh a sort of the ne- ne- uh what do you call it negligence right yeah to dress in blackface is a neglect if you didn't know right. which is understandable for many people it's neglect it's neglectful that you didn't find out yeah so just because i didn't know i was going to kill any because i was like well how was i supposed to know someone was in the line of fire at that exact time how was i supposed to know it's like well you're spraying bullets all over the neighborhood the chance is there you're going to dress up as another race of people that should give you a little red flag of like hmm, maybe i should ask someone about that uh so let's look into some research here at the end here bro oh, sorry one one small point though uh
1: in your example, the one thing you do have going for you when you're using, say, in this example, the gun, is you've lived as a human in the physical world for enough years that you you do probably have a, an innate understanding about not the math of physics, but how sort of physics plays out. But I don't remember ever, and maybe I just forgot, but I don't remember ever a class in high school or college where this point was made.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's a good argument against the analogy and a good argument against our stupid society that teaches countless years of mathematics and no, no module on blackface and why it's a bad thing. Well,
1: even slavery. And I, I wasn't here for the entire educational uh, career, but I I started in 10th grade and slavery. I remember us briefly touching on in our U S history class. And it was not like a semester. It was like a couple of weeks we talked about the slaves in the South and stuff like that. No horrific stories, no first-hand accounts, no repercussions that grew all the way to the 60s. No, none of that. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. So, there was a research study that looked into people and their attitudes about blackface. This is a recent survey. Mm-hmm. So they asked people, is it acceptable to use blackface in a Halloween costume? Yes, no, maybe, uh-huh. whatever. And these are all Americans. And so in percentages, what percentage of whites thought it was never acceptable? Never acceptable? Yeah. Uh, 20%. Close, 35%. Okay. How, so, you know, a third of white people said, no, it's never acceptable okay. to do blackface. What percentage of whites thought it was always accept- acceptable? Not, this, isn't, this isn't a nuance. Yeesh. This is, it's always acceptable. <laughs> I hope
1: it's like 5%. 18%. Oh. Oh.
0: Eight, one in five. Oh. Almost one in five white Americans. Wait, what am I
1: talking about? Why, why didn't I go with the voting percentages? That that should have been my guy.
0: Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> Blacks who think it's never acceptable... Uh, percentage eighty percent. So this is interesting. Fifty three. Okay. So that that to me, you know, again, the okay. data always is interesting. Yeah. You would think, right? Eighty percent never yeah. acceptable or or higher. Yeah. But half.
1: Okay. So they're more nuanced.
0: Said <laughs> it's never acceptable. Yeah. So they might look again at Tropic Thunder sure. or Silver Streak or whatever and go like, well, sometimes it's fine as long as you're not. As long as the message isn't that black people are idiots, right. then I don't care if you do it. Yeah. Um, so black people percentage of them say it's always acceptable, like two percent, five percent. Okay. <laughs> so you know, interesting bell curve. Yeah. Hispanic people are in between whites and blacks, interestingly. And of course, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't look at Asians because no one ever looks at Asian Americans. Uh, Okay, so now let's look at people on the right, people on the left. People on the right, regardless of what ethnicity they are, percentage never acceptable.
1: Never acceptable on the right. Can you remind me, what was it for white White,
0: Whites was 35%.
1: Okay, I'm going to go with 20%.
0: Good, 21%. Okay. Never acceptable on the right. Uh, Always acceptable people on the right. Uh-huh. And for white people, this was 18%. Right,
1: 18%. Always acceptable is, I'm going to go 30%.
0: Close, 24%. <laughs> yeah. So, left pe- people on the left, yeah. per, you know, Democrats, liberals, percentage who consider it never acceptable. And remember, uh, for black people, it was 53%.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say
0: 35%. 51%.
1: Okay, close to the.
0: Okay. So, it's almost identical, statistically, yeah. probably identical to okay. black people. Uh, percentage, always acceptable. Uh ten percent. Uh good. Eight yeah. percent. So the left percentages are just slightly less good than the percentages for black yeah. people. I mean so, yeah. so what does this tell us about this issue in our society today?
1: Well, first of all, a question for you. Where do you stand on the recent research in the last few years that correlates certain uh neural aspects with political leanings. For example, there was one that looked at fear, that, you know, there was greater fear because of a, I think it was a smaller amygdala, no, a larger enlarged amygdala or something like that for folks that were right-leaning. And there's been others uh, with other aspects and things like that. And the reason I ask, of course I'll let you answer, is that I do believe that there is a different pattern <laughs> of thought and, and and between the two sides. I tend to call it empathy, but we've had debates about that. So what are your thoughts?
0: Well, one, it's hard to measure. And even if you did find different sizes of of amygdala, our resolution in understanding and measuring the brain is pretty rudimentary. And bias always plays a role. And I have seen some of the research on this. And from what I understand, it's more mixed. And when you cherry pick certain studies, you can say a certain thing. And you cherry pick a different set of studies, you can find something else which is really common to fMRI studies and, and other studies such as this. Having said that, when you look at millions or thousands of people and you study certain fears or attitudes or personality types, you're going to see a slight signal when you compare large averages. But are the bell curves much more overlapped than they are separate? Yes, that's it's always the case. So when you find a study that says, you know, Republicans are significantly more likely to blank than liberals are. We're talking about a effects size. That's usually not very quite uh, broad. Have you said that? I haven't looked into the research Um, now, but also correlation doesn't mean causation. Uh, people who are Republican are much more likely to not live in cities. They're much more likely to live in yep. particular areas of the United States. They're much more likely to be of a certain race. And so it's impossible to tease out those – Those. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's hard. Anyway. I just
1: find it telling that there are so many questions that if you gave me the question and told me that there was a survey done between people and and between the left and the right – that I could come really close with the percentages. Things like how they feel about the environment, how they feel about other races, how they feel about immigration. But they, they
0: weren't born with those ideas in their head. I'm not saying they were. They I, were propagandized, too.
1: But some people are more susceptible to that propaganda, and yeah. that could be genetic. Uh,
0: and I have seen some wackadoo people on the left who believe in some wackadoo stuff. Yeah,
1: I just, I just actually feel like that, and this is awesome, is the hate that I could get, but I feel that... Uh, there is probably a portion of of folks that due to a combination of either lower IQ or other
0: aspects... No, they've looked into that. They've looked into that.
1: They're more susceptible to simplistic propaganda.
0: Uh, Perhaps, but there are... Which makes sense because they're not as smart. (laughs) Well, they've actually looked at... This is actually an easy thing to or an easier thing to study. And what they found was actually counterintuitive, which is that when people are intelligent... They're actually not more likely to believe an intelligent thing, mm. but they're more likely to be uh, f- uh, more adi- – at I can't remember the exact uh, findings, but it's along these lines, which is intelligent people, regardless of what they believe, are more able to defend themselves because they're smarter at defending themselves. Okay. So if they believe in something that we consider to be accurate, then they're really good at justifying it. But if they believe in something like a flat earth or something, okay. smarter people are really good at justifying it. And All so right. to themselves, because yeah. they are better at coming up with arguments. And so, so intellig- if
1: it's not IQ, there's gotta be something else that makes them more susceptible. And maybe it's maybe. the fear aspect.
0: Maybe but it's so irrelevant compared to the propaganda and the circumstances of certain people in certain societies. It's no mistake or, uh, you know, uh, it's not a weird thing that you and I growing up in this area are progressive liberals. It's not that strange. But I didn't thing. grow up in this area. But we grew up, well, I don't know what Colombian neighborhood you grew up in. but I mean,
1: I grew up in the middle of a 7 million person But you, city went, to, with, you went to
0: the Un- University of Washington where I went, you know, high, anyway, yeah. we got to get back. So, the issue here is when we look at the statistics of of research about people's attitudes based on demographics such as race and political leanings. What we find is that it's much less of a black and white thing because the uh, it's much more of a left and right thing. So and it, so the gestalt here is that uh, lefties, regardless of what ethnicity they are, yep. have Almost the identical attitudes about, you know, distribution wise about blackface as black people do. Right, as the afflicted class. Right. Whereas uh, white r- people on the right are the most pro blackface right. people. Right. So being white has nothing to do right. with how you see things. Right. It has everything to do with the particular propaganda bubble that you live in.
1: Uh, sure. Or because I, see, I, it's funny. You you, I was with you till your conclusion. Because <laughs> the the propaganda bubble, I I I guess I am curious, and maybe there's just not an easy way to test that. Is that which comes first, the bubble or the propaganda? Because it is well, it's a
0: system. It it it's it all works in conjunction with each other. Yeah, the propaganda but, produces people, so there's no chicken or egg. At at su- you know, due to historical factors in a particular society in a particular bubble, there are things that develop within that bubble, such as language or any kind of attitude that gets bounced around and produces the factors at which it continues to bounce around.
1: Right. But you would expect, for example, I don't know, a lot less right-leaning people in this part of the world, for example. Right. But it's kind of, I mean, in and Seattle, Seattleites it's still, aren't
0: smarter or more right. empathetic than anybody else, on average. And I,
1: they've studied this. Okay, so let's say let's let's say maybe it's not just genetic or anything like that. There seems to be some combination of factors that lead some folk. To feel like other people's feelings matter more, <laughs> and those folk tend to end up being the left-leaning folk.
0: Uh, we've made this. Argue, just listen to a previous episode if you want to hear this whole argument. I, mean, the stats uh, should... I would love to be convinced by your data, Berto. But but, but that
1: you just showed one study in which it seems like the left-leaning folk in this case seem more empathetic. Yeah to that class of, of affect, afflicted people. True. I bet you could run down the gamut of Native American issues, immigration, like Mexicans. Could You'd probably find the same distributions. Are and similar.
0: anyone who knows anything about causation would, would uh, n- not say that that indicates a genetic difference between Fair the two groups I'm of people. I'm not
1: saying that – I was saying that as a potential, but I'm saying that there's some set of factors that clearly correlate these things. Propaganda bubble, society influence, well, but, but, right. culture, but then I am, family. But but in the past, education. I'm, okay, but I'm specifically saying that's why I claim it's not fifty fifty. One side is
0: better. Yeah, <laughs> and and so in this case, yeah, the side that thinks that black or is sympathetic to black people about their attitudes about blackface is a better position. Right. But, but that doesn't that mean. Side, but that's that's why, why I don't know why you bad. always have to go to some biological difference. I think it's. I think this is actually similar. And I hate to say this. I don't hate to say it. Actually, I, I really love to say this. But I hate to make you feel bad about yourself. I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. Is that when the? This is a very smaller example. But when the early Americans were otherizing the black people and making them look like they were not human, that was a way to justify their position. And people on the left will want to characterize people on the right as a particular way because it justifies our hatred or our attitudes or our ridicule or our mistreatment of people on the right. Now, they deserve to be told that they're dumb about certain things, but they don't deserve to be otherized the way that you're doing.
1: Maybe. <laughs> well, if otherized, I guess you're right. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to find out, not in this podcast, but just trying to find out uh, why it is that some with some people it is impossible to see eye to eye with some of these critical things. And there might be uh, either uh, physical so or I, at least I, lifelong I don't know entrenched if
0: impossibilities to it. Certainly. So and on the that has nothing to do with political position. You you can look at any political corner and find people like that. Like I said, you all you gotta do is go to a, a crystal shop and find someone who is more liberal than you and me. Who has a totally entrenched weird points of view that yeah. is completely impervious to evidence. Sure. So it has nothing to do with political leanings. It, it has to do perhaps with a personality trait, which is, is actually measurable. But those people are across all spectrum of political uh, life. It doesn't, you know, that if you happen to be a liberal and you have magical thinking and anti-science leanings or conspiratorial leanings then you're going to believe in leftist weird things. And if you're right, then you're going to believe in... You're going to be an Alex Jones person or something. You know what I mean?
1: Well, but you're also sort of at at the face of it dismissing that there could be a
0: grouping that we're not seeing. Like, for example... I'm not dismissing, I'm just saying I would love to be convinced by data, Berto. You're just making shit up in your head. and so No, no,
1: no, no. no. I'm, I'm observing that, for example. Look, in general, the left tends to rally around specific issues that they care about, and they tend to eat each other up and be a lot more picky about factions. And in general, the right tends to rally about simplistic notions and tend to band together a hell of a lot more. And of course, that's to their advantage politically. Why is that? Is that just because one set of people got, it happened to be in one pocket of the country? Another? Well, that's a
0: story that you're telling yourself, and you, you'll get people to agree with you. And I just don't know if that's accurate, you know, that statement. And there's, yeah. and that you'd have to prove it to me empirically. Well,
1: certainly it's, we saw it evidenced in the last election, right? Like one side was uh, able to rally around someone they generally said they hated and things like that. But there's like,
0: but the question is why? So, right? you, and why? So I don't, there's no, no one knows the answer to that question. It's too complex. We're but talking the, about multiple factors.
1: Right. But, but I don't, I think it's not just about which pocket you got socialized in. That's, that's my thing. I don't, at least there's no evidence that that's the only reason. I
0: never said it was just about the pocket. I said personality can absolutely play a role, but the personality traits, when they actually look at this, are distrib- they're distributed pretty evenly across different points of view politically. There are plenty of liberals who you would agree with entirely that have extremely problematic personalities and are not following the scientific rigor that you would like people to follow. Sure. So, you know, it now, you know, I always get emails from people, it's like, I can't believe you're like doing a balance, blah, blah. I'm not saying uh, I'm a progressive, I'm as left as they come. And, but if we're going to move our society forward, Otherizing the others is not going to help. It just drives the divide between everybody. I know Republicans who I love deeply, who I think are misinformed. But if I'm going to inform them, ridiculing them and otherizing them and making them look subhuman or their amygdala is problematic, then I don't think that's just really going to help. And and scientifically, it's actually not accurate.
1: Well, we don't know, right? Like, there is a study...
0: I've looked into... I I think I've looked into it more than you have, and I think if I looked into it a deep dive, I suspect I would further find that what I said was accurate, which is that the resolution is low, the questions are hard to answer, and the findings we do have are mixed, and even if there was a signal, it's small.
1: Okay. So then, I guess the last thing I'll say is that I, I still find it very useful that you could see one... Variable about a person, which is you could ask them, hey, are you left leaning or right leaning? And based on that one variable, you could predict so many things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I say there's probably fire under that smoke.
0: Uh, okay, whatever that means.
1: Well, that, that, that means that, that there's got to be an interesting reason why that one and variable I don't know why, is so
0: predictive. Why are you so against the notion that society shapes people's attitudes? <laughs> no, no, I'm not, and I know that it does but i 'm saying that that to me it seems growing up in rural Alabama has some effect on their political points of view because yeah. they grew up in rural Alabama. Why is that notion so hard to wrap your head around fine
1: so so a combination of of the pocket they grew up in plus personality plus other factors but the, but they band together to that some types of people
0: I, are seem you always, to be more susceptible i 'm not going to this. call you out but are you always thinking of the same two people that I think you're thinking of? When <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, saying this as a friend. No,
1: absolutely not. Like, I'm just, I literally i am saying. Because I always
0: think like you're thinking of these two people whom both of us know is an example of what you're talking about. No,
1: how could it be that? How could it be that? I'm just asking as a curiosity. Because no, I'm, I'm if li- you're not,
0: then you're not. But I'm literally it. saying like, how could it be that? Because it no, certainly applies to the two people that. I think you know who I'm thinking of, right?
1: I, I maybe, but I, I know like 10 people in this category that I know personally. But I'm but saying But you know
0: the two people I know of the I two don't people. know that I know. Maybe, oh. I
1: think one of them I probably know. But but I'm saying 30 easily 30% of the of the voting block is immovable when it comes to Trump. Immovable. Yeah. Like I literally don't know what could come out. Yeah. Right? You're true. That's true. That seems very unique. I haven't seen that manifested on the left, uh, uh, maybe it hasn't, and that is why I go okay. There's but, but, some, but
0: maybe there part, is some part of difference. the socialization on the left Fine. is to be more open-minded.
1: Fine. Let's say it's all about socialization, but no matter what those factors were, that set of people is is incapable. It's categorically different, okay. And so you you think that that is is a bad thing to go down that road, and maybe it is, but it is no, I I. I
0: I never said that. I never never said that categorizing or observation or opinion making storytelling or criticizing is a bad thing. What I'm saying is, is when you are clearly otherizing another group of people as being a different set of humans, and that is that is what leads to problems politically for everybody.
1: Well, I mean, okay, but they are a different set of humans, literally, right? So, like, I think there's more to it. It's Different like
0: attitudes that, they, I'm, they that have, I'm implying they have diff-
1: somehow that they're biologically different.
0: You didn't imply, you stated. Right. You but let's, about say, the,
1: let's say I say, okay, fine, there's no evidence for that. Let's say it's 100% social.
0: Yeah, okay. But and then shouldn't we, should don't we know that, look course, at right.
1: what those factors are and then try to change
0: that? <laughs> yeah. How, how is that an argument about what I said?
1: Um, well, I think you thought that I was only arguing biologically.
0: I, I wasn't. Okay. Because I'm just arguing with that argument.
1: Uh, I think it's because in the past we've had arguments about the right and the left being sort of e- even, and I'm and I'm continuously looking for ways to rally against that.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, they're just stories we tell ourselves. There's no there's no way to say anything without letting your bias completely get in there. Uh, <laughs> we're not objective observers of, of this political re- reality. Um, all right. Well, I had some other things, but like. I had yellow face I wanted to get into, but I won't get into that. I have some, I, I kind of, I'll, I'll tell a, I'll tell one story and I'll end with this one. So when I was a kid, I grew up in a all white community. There were a couple black people and there was one or two Asians, but hundreds upon hundreds. No. So in my school, for example, there would be like my high school was, I don't know, thirteen fourteen hundred 1400 people. And there were probably four Asian and I was one of them, even (laughs) though I'm half Yeah, and maybe two black people, you know, the rest and no known, maybe a, maybe a handful of Hispanic people too, but not, they weren't very noticeable. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, so that was the context I grew up in and me being half Japanese was really exotic. It was extremely odd to people and it was a frequent thing of focus. but you know karate? Yeah, very much so, karate. In fact, it'll, I'm glad you brought that up because it bring, brings into this issue. Is at a certain point when I started to get older and started to hang out with guys that I didn't know that well. I yeah. knew them well enough, but I didn't know them that well. You know, we, and anyway, there was this one night, I was spending the night at a friend's house and we're all, In our sleeping bags, there's like 10 of us and it was sort of the cool kids too. I remember that. It was like I was sort of going up the ladder a little (laughs) bit and we were all kind of making fun of each other. And at one point, one of the funny guys starts in the darkness says, oh no. (laughs) And then there's giggles. And so I'm at this why in the road. Yeah. I'm like, that's fucking What? Like, yeah. w- would you like to take this outside? Because that's, right. th- that's racist. Th- why are you making fun of, like, make fun of my nose or, right. I don't know, make fun of the way I walk or talk, but why are you making fun of my heritage, you fucking white assholes? Right. That's what I wanted to say. Uh-huh. But where would that get me in the moment? No one's going to relate. I'm not going to, they're not going to understand. Ooh, I'll
1: be, sensitive.
0: Right. It'll just get worse. Right. So my cat's woke it up from her nap and she's, she's she's woke. Yeah. And so I decided to go along with it. You know, you tell about stories about going along with Colombian uh, stereotyping as well. You had a teacher who would frequently comment about you being a drug dealer, a fucking teacher. Yeah. And so I just went along with it, even though I didn't feel good about it and would laugh. And then, and then it evolved. The joke evolved into, we had this thing in high school where we would, we would mess up words with different sounds. So instead oh, okay. of saying, instead of saying maybe, we would say like maybe,
1: like shashwa shisha.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's more. Well, anyway, yeah. just things like that. Yeah. And it was more just like a silly way of talking. That and yes. eventually, like the words would replace the original words. But anyway, so then eventually, it was like, licka licka ling ling luck luck shui or something like yeah. it, it, it. It and this yeah, evolved, it evolved over over morphed. months. Yeah. Which I completely bought into. Metastasize, right? So this is just one example of what I was dealing with. So when I ran for uh, student body vice president or something, right? Mm-hmm. I was trying to think up a speech to do, and I'm a terrible public speaker back then, particularly, yeah. and wasn't very creative and didn't really know what to do. And I was trying to avoid giving a speech. Okay. And so it somehow popped into my head, my dumbass fifteen year old head that well, why don't I play a joke on the fact that I'm Asian?
1: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> so I dressed up in a karate outfit from my uh-huh. brother's closet, and I made this big poster, and it said, like, vote for Kirk for vice president. And then I jumped through the, the, poster. the poster and did all of these karate chops. That It was a longer, actually, event to that that I won't go into because uh, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, it was like I was playing into to the – I was doing yellow face to myself. Right. And because I felt I kind of had to. You had to fit and, that role. And I was trying to own it. Yeah. The, the way that gay people owned, originally gay was an insult and then they adopted it. You know, right, you, right. you take it on to, to take the power away. And so I don't know why I'm telling that story, but I, well, I, think, no, I, think, I think it illuminates the yeah. black face, brown face, yellow face thing a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, so two things. First of all, I mentioned earlier, when I was growing up in in Columbia, uh, first of all, there was tons of racism against blacks and uh, natives. But I actually did it. I wasn't as aware of it because there weren't that many blacks in the city. So unfortunately, I didn't know just how much racism there was. Uh, There was definitely racism against more native born, like uh, like Native American um, folk. And I did see that. But it was so ingrained in the society and it was so like – I wouldn't call it subtle because it wasn't subtle. But it was, it was like just the way you talk, right? Just the way you say – that I wasn't aware of just how bad it was. I, I just saw it all the time. But the one that I remember actually being aware that was bad was the Asian uh, kind of discrimination because there was one Asian student in my school, one. And they were discriminated against, and I remember talking to were the they girls. Like
0: bullied and stuff, and
1: yeah, and and just people talking bad about him, and people making fun of his skin. Which, by the way, his skin looked like our skin; like it doesn't even like it's so dumb. It, it was so dumb. And I remember as a very young kid, like in preschool, uh, having this little. I had to dress up for a. You know how in preschool you do all sorts of little presentations and things. We had one where everyone was dressed in Chinese outfits. And it was like really bad, like painted slanty eyes and the big long ponytail, you know, like braided tail. So
0: as an asterisk to what you're saying, it's bad because if there were Asians watching this in Bogota, it's not just bad because he did it. It's bad because it is a stereotype and reminds them of other hurtful stereotypes absolutely and we
1: were saying the fake Chinese I, I don't have perfect memories but I actually have a. a, a it was yeah. such a big event for me in, yeah, in, I don't in my doubt preschool you,
0: life you were probably going awesome, awesome. stuff like that
1: yeah. or like we were singing a song it was like Ching, chan, chan, you know like a song like that and I, and I have the memory of the event and I had to me it was a nice memory because my grandma was there and I was dressed up in my little costume and it was all neat but then stepping back and I think there was oh yeah there's a picture I have of it and I'm like oh that's so sad you know, because, uh, yeah, it wasn't like in a community of Asians and we're all sort of honoring the Asian tradition. There were no Asians there. Not one. Yeah. And then I and then I fast forward to when I moved up here and I, and my high school in Tacoma was super diverse. Tons. Of, it, I think it was like probably 30 percent blacks, lots of Asians. All my friends became Asians. I actually I really regret that I didn't become friends with black people in my high school. Uh, I had sort of casual friends in classes and in, in the sports that I did, but I actually didn't like befriend, befriend black people. And, and I, and I'm really sad about it. I don't know why that happened because I didn't have any negative feelings towards them or anything like that. Um, I just think that the opportunity for some reason didn't present itself and I wish it had. Um, I will say, uh, recently, even though the, the East Side is so, short on black people. (laughs) I recently befriended someone from Ethiopia and I feel like we're going to be really good friends. And I'm actually really happy about that because for so much of my life, I haven't had people from different cult, enough different cultural backgrounds. And over the years I've had more Asians and stuff, but not, not as
0: much of others. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. If you have something interesting and respectful to say, You can email us at contact.psychologyinstaller.com. If you don't, you can keep it to yourself because I don't want to hear it. And take care of yourself because you deserve it.